Joining us now live on the line, his monthly check-in, State Senator Andy Menards with us. Senator, good afternoon. Thanks for taking the time. We've had a lot of uh, conversation today, just got off the phone, in fact, a few moments ago with uh, Republican Representative Blaine Wilhauer, who's written an article where he is questioning some of the governor's approach to this, whether, in fact, we've needed to have a statewide shutdown as opposed to a more regional approach, and also suggesting the governor's not been as forthcoming with data and information as he needs to be. How would you assess the governor's handling of this situation? I think he's uh, handled, um, especially the, the magnitude of this, Jimmy's handled it very well. He and his team um, are working nonstop, uh, 24 hours a day around the clock. And he's doing that in the face of what undoubtedly is a botched response from the federal government. You know, I keep hearing um, the president say that we're fighting an invisible enemy. Well, Jim, the truth of the matter is if we test if we had testing capability and testing availability, which the federal government should have been prepared for, we wouldn't be fighting anything invisible today. Uh, but the facts remain that the federal government was not prepared for this pandemic. And fortunately, we have uh, governors, both Republican and Democratic governors around the country that I think are responding in the face of um, an unprepared federal government responding in a very good way. There has been a, a bit of backlash to the governor uh, bringing up repeatedly some of these run-ins with the White House and his concerns about uh, a, a slow and what he sees as an inadequate federal response and people saying, you know, it's time to stop pointing fingers. Everybody should be working together, pulling in the same direction on this. Any validity to that criticism? Should the governor just kind of drop the grievances against the White House at this point? Well, no, I don't think he should, frankly. Um, the governor should speak up when uh, it's appropriate, and I think that's what he's doing. Jim, we have planes flying PPE over from China to us in the United States, and the president of the United States is not um, utilizing authority that he has during the time of a pandemic to use that PPE and get it into the hands of first responders. Instead, he's allowing that to go onto the market to the highest bidder, whichever state can bid the highest amount of money. So I commend the governor for speaking out about what's happening right now with our federal government. I see this at the ground level every day, Jim. I see the lack of testing in rural areas in downstate Illinois. I see the lack of testing, period, uh, when it comes to first responders and healthcare professionals and individuals who live in congregate settings like nursing homes and assisted living facilities. We just weren't prepared as a country for this, Jim. So if, if the governor wants to speak out and speak his mind, I say he ought to do it. Does that uh, concern about lack of preparation, does it extend to the state? That's what the president's saying, is that state should have been better prepared for this, too. We should have been ready for some sort of major disaster like this uh, without relying on the federal government for uh, for help. Well, uh, I think I think we are ready. I mean, we are ready to the extent uh, what the state government's responsibility is. Now, if, if we're going to go down a road in the United States of America where every state in the union, all 50 states, need their own CDC, then I guess I guess that's where we're going here. If that's, If there's validity to that argument that the president of the United States is making, that every state needs its own CDC, that every state needs its own FEMA, that we're not going to use the collective resources of the United States of America to respond when a response is warranted, then then we ought to have that debate in this country. It's unfortunate that we're actually having that debate in the middle of a pandemic, but that's what's happening today. 
every state, it's, and, and, you know, the fact of the matter is it's nonsense, Jim. Every state doesn't need its own CDC. Every state doesn't need to be its own um, procurement, its own vendor for PPE when we have PPE sitting in a national stockpile that, that should have been prepared for the pandemic, starting with testing, starting with testing. So, you know, I get why there's pushback on the governor for criticizing, I think, in a valid way, the president. But I would expect Governor Pritzker or any governor for that matter, Republican governors, liberal governors, conservative governors, when states aren't being served at a critical time like this, when people are dying, then I would expect him to speak up. And I think that's what the governor's doing here. State Senator Andy Menard is live with us here this afternoon. Senator, we know that the state response has had bumps, particularly with the Department of Employment Security, the uh, unprecedented flood of unemployment claims and people who just simply been locked out of the system. They can't get in because the website's overwhelmed. Phones aren't being answered. People obviously very frustrated. From what you're hearing, is this situation improving? What's being done to help those people? I think it is improving slowly, but but you're correct to critique um, critique what's happening. But I, I want to be very careful. I don't want to paint a picture with my remarks that there are dedicated public servants sitting in a government building somewhere with their feet up on the desk or uh, taking lunch breaks or not answering the phone. That is not happening. Uh, but what is happening and what is being seen on the on the front end of those phone calls on the other line where the individual who has lost his or her job or whose small business is closed is frustration because of volume, not because the lack of work or effort. Uh, so in a given month, Jim, if you go back to March of 2019, the state processed about 35, 36,000 unemployment claims in the entire month over 31 days. Um, it, it, at its peak, um, we believe IDES is processing about 50,000 unemployment claims per day, per day. And that is without, that is without uh, processing the expansion piece of unemployment benefits that was passed by uh, the federal government. And kudos to the federal government for getting that done in the CARES Act. That was a good move on the part of Republicans and Democrats and the president working together. So the volume, the sheer volume here is the challenge. And I think there is slow improvement every day. And I hear it from constituents that I represent without a doubt. You undoubtedly are hearing from small businesses in your district that are fighting for their very survival right now. What is the state doing for them currently and what more can be done to try to make sure those businesses don't go under? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, we mentioned expanded unemployment that uh, that addresses um, individual issues where individuals who are also small business owners need uh, need money uh, just to just to pay bills in their in their personal lives. So that's one thing that's underway. Number two, the governor um, in the middle of this crisis created a program specific to small businesses downstate uh, that would apply both loans and grants and set those things into motion. Um, I've learned, Jim, that there are no two small businesses that are in the exact same situation throughout this crisis, and the challenge is that there are thousands of them not in the same situation. Uh, but to the governor's credit and to uh, Director Aaron Guthrie's credit at the Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity, things were set into motion very quickly. Now, I will tell you um, that I think those things are going to be exhausted rather quickly. Um, and I'm encouraging the administration to begin to look at what the next steps are. 
So I think what we can do right now is match individual small businesses that are struggling or that have had to close during the crisis to the right resources. We may not get every single one of those right, but we're going to get a lot of them right. And I would encourage, and I have encouraged the governor and his administration um, to go back and look at what other things they can do, like the small business revitalization program for downstate. Um, I think that's that's been a winner thus far. Some Republican lawmakers have said we should suspend the planned increases in the minimum wage. It'll be kicking in gradually over the next several years. Freeze those for the foreseeable future to help businesses get back on their feet. Should we, in fact, do that? Uh, we should have the debate. Uh, there's no question about it. I've heard that from uh, many small business owners that I represent um, who um, who weren't um, fans of raising the minimum wage to begin with and certainly um, are sounding, I think, an appropriate alarm uh, today as we look into a very uncertain future in the next few months. I've even heard from small business owners, Jim, who were proponents of, uh, vocal proponents of the $15 an hour minimum wage over the course of of many years, of course, phasing it in, who are telling me uh, maybe we should delay that some time. Um, the challenge, though, is going to be that, uh, you know, the legislature can't function right now because, you know, we inherently meet as a group. That's what we are. Uh, you know, we are a group of uh, individually elected um, senators and representatives from districts across the state. And uh, the group aspect of our job is what's impeding us. So when we do get back um, into session, we will have a narrow path to take up, I think, a, a very narrow list of things. And I would hope that we can give this uh, particular item a debate because I think it warrants one, frankly. And, and that's coming from someone who is an enthusiastic supporter and has always supported uh, raising the minimum wage. Every bill that's come across my desk in the state Senate, I voted for uh, but I think this is a, is a debate and discussion that we should have. Uh, obviously, Senator, as you noted, uh, when lawmakers are able to come back, and we don't know when that's going to be, there's going to be a limited amount of time and a few uh, major priorities, this most significantly a state budget. And we know that Illinois is going to take a pretty bad hit to its revenues, and not just in this fiscal year because we pushed back the deadline for filing income taxes, but sales taxes are plummeting, casino revenues are not coming in, there's lots of other uh, areas where we're going to see tax revenues sharply lower than what we had anticipated at the start of the fiscal year, even at the start of the calendar year. So what does that mean for state services in the months and years to come here in Illinois? It's going to mean a rocky road. It's going to mean a a bumpy road for um, everything that emanates from the state budget, uh, from schools to service providers to Um, Everything, frankly, that that we just recently um, achieved stability on, which is um, beyond unfortunate. I mean, we we had a successful bipartisan year. The governor, I believe, presented a sound budget document to the legislature back in February. Uh, We had just gotten under underway the process to review that budget and make bipartisan changes um, in both the House and the Senate. So we have stabilized the budget. And unfortunately, now we've been hit with this major Uh, you know, major uh, disaster. And that's going to have ramifications undoubtedly, not just on the remainder of this fiscal year through June, but on certainly next fiscal year, starting July 1st. We'll have a better picture of those moving parts as time, um, time goes along. But undoubtedly, it's going to be a very difficult and challenging road ahead for the state budget. 
And obviously, if we see uh, widespread business closures, things along those lines, uh, people out of work, we could see property tax receipts plummet at the local level. That's going to have a further impact on schools. What what are we going to be able to do uh, to try to stay on the path of adequate and sufficient funding that you've been working on for years now? Uh, or are we just going to inevitably uh, not be able to attain some of those goals for a while? Um, we shouldn't sacrifice. Uh, we shouldn't sacrifice goals uh, that are beyond aspirational at this point. They're actually being put into practice uh, because of uh, Republicans and Democrats working together for three years now on school funding. We shouldn't sacrifice those things that we have put into place um, in the face of this pandemic. We we cannot do that, uh, which means that we are going to have to find some other way. Uh, which is going to require people to get along and to have open and honest debates. And it may take some time, but we can't sacrifice things like equitable, equitable school funding uh, because, because of this pandemic. The governor has made that commitment to uh, schools, the 860-some-odd school districts in the state. And I think that commitment is shared by both Democrats and Republicans. I don't speak necessarily for anyone in the General Assembly other than myself, but um, it's working well today, Jim. All evidence points to how well school funding is working for districts large and small, um, those that are furthest away from adequacy, those that are spending the least. Um, it's working well, so we, we can't go back. We just cannot go back. We have to stay on the path, and we have to find a way to do it. Senator, finally, some uh, are arguing that given the fact that we are likely to be in a recession, and we don't know for how long that will last, that this is the wrong time to make any moves that could lead to raising taxes on anybody. And so they're saying the governor should withdraw the question about a progressive income tax. It'll be before the voters in November. Uh, should we put off any discussion of changing that tax structure until we get to the other side of this crisis? Well, if it were up to the General Assembly, um, I would say probably so. But, Jim, this isn't up to the General Assembly. This is up to the voters of the state of Illinois. And I trust them to make uh, the right decision for the state. And uh, rightfully so, the Constitution cannot be amended without an affirmative vote of the people. So this isn't up to the members of the General Assembly. This is up to the voters. And I think voters make good choices and that's why I think we should proceed. And if voters approve it, we'll proceed in that direction. And if they don't, uh, we're going to have an even bigger mountain to climb. And uh, that's going to just add sizable, uh, 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 more sizable challenges to, to the steep hill that we already have to climb. And I would also note, Jim, too, that, um, you know, th- this, is, this unfortunately is going to be an opportune time for those that have been leading a pretty deep uh, misinformation campaign about the fair tax. Um, during economic crisis, um, it's going to be like a buffet for them. But at the end of the day, I trust the voters of the state, which is why I believe uh, that we should proceed as we have planned now for quite some time with putting this question to the voters, and then it will be up to the voters to decide. And you're still a firm yes on that, on adopting a progressive income tax. I am, because I know, I know, um, in the district that I represent, um, if, if there is a recession, and if we're going to take as deep of a hit in our economy as, as all, uh, all experts and all things are pointing toward, I know the people that can afford it the least to take cuts in social services or cuts in their schools or raising tuition or raising child care rates are the ones who aren't going to pay the additional tax. 
the pe- millionaires and billionaires, I think they're going to probably get fined, get by fine if there's a recession. The people that won't are the people that will benefit the most from the fair tax. State Senator Andy Minar, always appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks, Jim.